Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and this is show number 18. I've got a great show planned for you today, a chat with naturopath Jules Galloway, who uh, both she and myself actually found out earlier this year that we had something called pyrrole disorder or pyroluria. You might have heard of it as or uh, cryptopyroles. So basically pyroluria is an inherited condition and your body's making too much of a substance known as pyrroles. Uh, and this is during the everyday production of haemoglobin, not to get too sciencey. Don't worry, it's not a very sciencey interview. Uh, the pyrroles basically bind to your B6 vitamin and zinc primarily, and this ends up depleting these precious nutrients over time and eventually the condition sort of manifests, if you like, as a long-term zinc or B6 deficiency, which can have a whole bunch of symptoms and really far-reaching consequences for both your mental health and your physical well-being. So it's an unbelievably awesome thing to identify whether you do or don't have it. And the good news is it actually doesn't cost too much to test. It's a really simple P-test, so even kids can do it without causing any grief. And uh, and I really hope you enjoy the show. Now, before I kick into that, I just want to remind you that given that it's still November, you have the wonderful 10% off offer from the gorgeous Bamboo Lyocell uh, brand of uh, bedwear and towels, and that is Etitude. So they are back with us again another week, all the month of November. So please get to the show notes, have a little read about them. They're a beautiful company. What I love about this organic bamboo lyocell material is that it uses so little water and of course they uh, got certified so they're paying their factory workers beautifully, uh, farmers, everyone across every part of the chain of production. So please go check them out and make the most of that offer. It's a wonderful time of year to be buying someone a beautiful bed set of linen um, yeah, I'll leave that there. There's so much to talk about. What else can I tell you? Okay, I just did a TED Talk last week and that was a humongous experience for me. It, the big T, I think there's something about it. I speak a lot and it never seems to bother me. I just love jumping up there and connecting with people. I know many of the people out there listening to this show today will have maybe gotten to know me because you came to an event that I was speaking at and it's such a nice way to get to know people who are especially predominantly online like I am because you really see people are absolutely what they say they are in the words they might be writing or what you might be hearing on a podcast and it's I find so reassuring when you go and see people live. Now there was something about this TED talk that really really made me nervous and I think not only obviously the chance to be a part of the TED global family but also the fact that I had to speak for only 12 minutes and that really scared me. And when I received the outline for the day, um, like the MC's run sheet, it was literally everything was counted in 90 second to uh, 60 second increments. And I was like, wow, there's, there isn't even a chance for me to go off on a tangent here. And many of you know that I am a self-confessed tangent queen. So it was, um, it was a really wonderful experience, extremely challenging 
challenging. Uh, I probably put too much pressure on myself, as so many of us do, uh, but I really loved being able to share my idea, which was that through a simple curiosity as your starting point, we can literally shape the world through our shopping baskets. Now, that link is due to be live uh, any day now, so please watch out for the Facebook page, Lotox Life, or Instagram, uh, or also if you're subscribed to my newsletter, you will get it through those three channels, uh, and you can subscribe over at lotoxlife.com. Now, that is all I have to tell you. So please enjoy today's show. So much goodness and wisdom. Even if you don't have pyrols, there are some really wonderful general health tips from the gorgeous Jules. And here's Jules Galloway. How are you, Jules? I'm really good, Alex. How are you? I am fantastic. And I think we are going to lift the lid on something that's going to help quite a few of our listeners this week. So I'm extra excited. Now, can we start by not only finding out why you are the awesome naturopath you are today, how you came to choose naturopathy as your career, but also let's just jump straight in. And in the mix of that, could you also tell us how you came to discover that you had pyrols, the exact topic we're talking about today? All right, let's let's give that a go, shall we? Mm. Okay, so there, there's lots of reasons why I became a naturopath, uh, and it was definitely a really long, long journey of discovery and a long road. I grew up in a household where we ate, you know, white bread and meadow lea and wheat bix and skim milk because my dad had high cholesterol, so we're all on the skim milk, and you know, it was a very standard Australian diet. And I was a very sick kid throughout my whole childhood but nothing that would put you in hospital, but it was just chest infection after tonsillitis, after this, after that, after glandular fever, after snotty nose, after asthma, after everything. And I was always just told that that was normal and mm-hmm. that that was just something that you had to live with and that I'm just not quite the, I'm not just a, just not a robust kid. And yeah. I, accept, I accepted that for a very long time. And I just accepted that I was not as healthy as most people and that if I got a cold, it would just go to my chest and I got on with it. And then as I was in my 20s, I became very anxious and I started to suffer from depression and anxiety. And so things were starting to get progressively worse. My digestion was pretty dodge at that time and I was partying a lot. So there was a lot of lifestyle stuff thrown in as well because I uh, I did have a very sort of traumatic childhood and teenage years. So there was a, so I've just blamed it on that really and didn't really think about diet so much. And whenever I was anxious or, or whatever, I just thought I need more counseling or I just need to deal with this past stuff that I've got going on. And so we let that go for a bit. And then gradually I started to have other things happen, such as poor energy levels I ended up with adrenal fatigue. So it just became this slippery slope of health. And I started being around people who were more health conscious and who pointed me in the right direction. And I went to see a naturopath. Mm. And at that time in my 20s, I was diagnosed with gluten and dairy intolerance, uh, candida, and a few other issues. And I healed myself to a point just with a gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, anti-candida protocol, so diet and herbs and supplements. And that was the first big aha moment for me. And 
I was studying to become a naturopath because I'd really had enough of the conventional medical system because they couldn't heal me. I'd been to so many doctors and I'd said, look, this isn't right. I don't feel well. I've never felt well. And they just said, well, you know, here's, here's what we can offer you. And I was being offered antidepressants and I was being offered X, Y, and Z in terms of drugs. And that it didn't sit right with me. And I ended up becoming a naturopath because I just thought there there had to be a better way. There had to be a more natural way. And I got a glimpse of once I changed my diet and took some herbs and supplements, I got this amazing glimpse of how we can heal without that medical intervention. Mm. And it was just a game changer for me. And it's funny because growing up, I wanted to be a nurse and I ended up being a naturopath. So it wasn't too far off. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a long road and like I said, I, 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 I partied a lot and I did some very interesting jobs and I've, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of things in my time but I found that I had to reel my own health back in otherwise it was just going to – I really had that choice of you can take these medications to suppress all your symptoms – or you can do the work and get well. So I decided to do the work and get well. And that was that was a while back now. And it's been, you know, ever since then, I kind of fell off the wagon for a while and went back to eating gluten and dairy and my health started to slide again. And I experienced burnout and adrenal fatigue. I moved to Byron Bay to get away from the big city. And I've done a lot of healing work since then to sort out my nervous system and my adrenals and everything always got me to about sort of 80%. Yeah. And then I'd slip back to back down again and then back up to feeling 80%. But I never felt absolutely amazingly well. Do you think this is part of why you decided you wanted to become a trained naturopath? Uh, For your own kind of mystery of your own health? I think the curiosity is what drives a lot of people to study naturopathy, including myself, where you you get a glimpse of how you can heal yourself and, and you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done and yet like studying it seems to be the if you can heal yourself then you'll be a great, you know, you'll, you'll feel great about being able to heal other people. I mean they, they do say the same about psychology sometimes as the people who are studying psychologists are the ones who need to sort their own stuff out the most. So I think naturopathy can does quite often cover that too. Mm. I definitely think that that, feeling very let down by the medical system was one of my biggest drivers because it wasn't just me that I saw in that process. I had two family members as well who had celiac disease who were at a time when celiac disease, this was in the 80s, celiac disease was not accepted by the mainstream medical profession yet. They were told by certain medical practitioners that it didn't exist and they ended up with all kinds of health issues as a result of uh, eating gluten and taking too long to get off the gluten and then also eating other things like dairy and whatnot, even though they'd gone off the gluten. So there, there were definitely, for me, I actually saw one family member in and out of hospital for most of, most of her life because she had such, such bowel issues and she went and had bowel operations and then the scarring from that made her bowel worse and mm. um, and then she was in and out, in and out, in and out of hospital. And so for me, that seeing the damage that was done was a big driver for me because I know that 
somewhere in the back of my mind, I must have, even when I was little, really little watching this happen, there must have been something in the back of my mind that said, this is not working, there needs to be, an, there must be another way. Mm. There must be. Oh, we're such twinsies. Uh, I have had <laughs> such a similar experience with just that little voice that it's almost like it's not courageous enough until a certain time when the SHIT really hits the fan, which I hate how apocalyptic we are, us humans, waiting until things are really terrible <laughs> before we go, gee, I wonder if I might join those dots now. <laughs> you know? but, uh, Absolutely. So another dot that obviously was a huge um, dot for you was one that happened much more recently which was the discovery of pyroluria how did you come to know that this was even a thing because it's obviously quite a newly talked about thing and that you might need to look into it because I've I've got it as well and I'm really keen to hear um, how that happened for you for me it was just one of the final pieces of the puzzle because like I was just saying I got to a point where I was feeling 80% well but if I didn't look after myself it was so easy to slide backwards and I never felt like I got above that 80% Mm. and so I felt like I was going kind of 50 to 80 50 to 80 and I thought there's something I'm still not doing and I thought oh maybe I just need to go paleo right because I'm gluten and dairy free and, and cane sugar free maybe I just need to go paleo so I went paleo and kind of went up to 80% but it still didn't get any better and I, I tried all the things I detoxed I did all the right things still couldn't get over that 80% consistently mm-hmm. and I thought there's and of course, of course the the inquisitive part of me just thought there's something I'm yet to discover there's mm. something still missing and as the universe would have it I was working doing a lot of one-on-one appointments a lot of one-on-one consultations with clients and the universe started sending me a bunch of pyrrole cases mm. and I started seeing this, the, the whole pyrrole pyrrole disorder stuff just pop up here and there in discussions because I'm in some groups where naturopaths, you know, um, mastermind each other's issues and talk about like we've got little forums where we discuss things. And, Tougher cases and things like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, and I was seeing pyrroles, pyrroles, pyrroles and so I was starting to get a few of these clients through and and I thought, I'm going to try this pyrrole testing. So I was sending them for testing and every single one was coming back with pyrrole disorder. And and then they started to become a mirror. So I actually had one client that when she sat down and told me all her symptoms and told me her story, it was so close to my own story that I thought, I need to go and test myself. And it was still a good few months before I even did the test, even though I can send myself for the test. I didn't Mm. even have to go and get a referral. I could just refer myself. It's the easiest thing. And I still held off doing it for a few months because I think there was just a little scrap of denial there. But uh, once I really thought about it, I thought if I can sort myself out, it's going to help me to help other people as well as help myself. So, right, I'm sending myself for the test. So this was November last year, came back off the chart. Uh, so your normal scale is sort of zero to 10. That's that's your reference range. And I think I was at 45. Mm-hmm. And I think yours were quite high too, weren't they, Alice? Yeah, low 40s. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Well, low we 40s meaning in... high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that, that, then sparked me to sort out my own situation and yeah the the universe kept sending me more and more and more pyrrole cases Mm. just to help me fine-tune that so I had to hit the ground running and I had to learn what to do 
not only with myself but with all these clients that wanted my help, I did have I did go and see a lovely integrative GP uh, called Rachel Wyndham in the process of that and and sought her help as well because I don't think anyone should treat themselves. I think even though I, I knew what I if I had a pyrol person come to me, I knew what I wanted to do with them, but I didn't want to have to assess myself. So mm. as soon as I had the diagnosis via the pathology testing, I took that to Dr. Rach and I let her help me. So so sorting out my own stuff really then helped me to hone in on, on the process that I would use to help other people when they came to me with this problem. Mm. And what are some of the signs that people can typically experience um, with pyrols, I know one for me was gentle, like low level anxiety. So, you know, high functioning anxiety, a lot of people call that Yeah. and around quite specific things. But sometimes I'd go through periods where I just had a tightness in my chest that just would not go away until I actually um, address pyrols and the deficiencies that came along with it. But can you tell us about a few other symptoms? There are so, so many symptoms mm. and that, that's the problem is that it can, it can look like a thyroid case or it can look like a food intolerance case or it can, it can look like so many other things and that's why I think it's taken us so long to realise that pyrols is a thing because you can almost attribute a lot of symptoms to other things. Like you said, there's a lot of anxiety that pops up and a lot of sort of, yeah, like that high functioning, being able to get everything done. So you think you're being really efficient, but actually you're burning yourself out. So I, I see a lot of adrenal fatigue cases mm-hmm. that can be linked back to pyrols because of that anxiety aspect over time can wear away at, at our adrenal glands. I see a lot of depression. Um, I see some postnatal depression that, that if I see that, I, I do tend to send people for a pyrol test just to be sure that that's not a factor to find out whether it is. And I see a lot of skin issues. I see a lot of hormonal issues. I see a lot of PMS and reproductive disorders. So I'm starting to see a lot of endometriosis cases and those sorts of things that where I'm finding that the women also have pyrroles. So the digestion is another one. So when you're when you've got issues with pyrrole disorder, your zinc drops. Mm-hmm. And when your zinc drops, then your your gut isn't as protected because you need zinc in order to keep your gut nice and strong and healed. So if your zinc is low, you're more likely to have a leaky gut. I I also see people with family histories where there's a lot of alcohol and drug use. I think there's a lot of addictive behaviours that can be exacerbated if there's pyrrole disorder going on. There's so much. There's absolutely so much because if you've got issues with the digestion and the leaky gut well then you're going to have food intolerances potentially so Mm. whenever I see food intolerance cases or issues with gluten and dairy then I ask them about anxiety I ask them about sleep I ask them about mental health I ask them about their family history's mental health so there's there's so much going on in there if so look if you have had these sorts of things go on for a long period of time and you haven't found another way to resolve them, then it might be worth chatting with a practitioner about getting a test for pyroluria and just seeing whether that could be one of the driving factors. It might not be the only thing Mm. causing your anxiety. It is only one piece of the puzzle. I, I do get a lot of people coming to me who are hoping that by 
fixing the the little biochemical issue with the pyrols via supplements, then magically they're just everything's going to get better. Mm. And it's not necessarily the case, but I do think it is a large piece of the puzzle for a lot of women. Yeah. Now, what kind of practitioner can we go to to get this test? I would love to say find an amazing integrative GP mm, or a naturopath. That's <laughs> often out of budget for a lot yeah, of people. And exactly. uh, I know that a lot of people have seen a regular GP and been sort of frustrated by them refusing to send them for that test. And so absolutely nothing against GPs, it's just not their training, it's not in their, their sphere of expertise. So would a naturopath have access to sending you off for pathology on pyrols? Yeah, most yeah. naturopaths do. Most mm. naturopaths do. And so if if your GP isn't, if they don't have their head around this issue or if they're not into it, then find yourself a naturopath who is. Mm. Uh, not all naturopaths are across it, but many are. So it's actually worth a phone call before you book in just to make sure that that is something that is their area of expertise. Cause I, I, I love that you've said that, Jules, because yeah. something I often say to people is, you know, you are auditioning a potential health practitioner to be your partner in your health. You are not just picking someone who's got a degree and therefore they must know what to do. You've got to, that person has to sit right with you. And I often say, if you aren't excited or, you know, happy on the day that in your calendar going to see that person is in there and actually you feel like a bit of a, oh man, I've got to go and see so-and-so today, you know, then that is not the right health practitioner for you. Also, you know, if you're going in for hormonal issues, if you're going in to get pyrols tested, just as you said, like find out that that's something they're A, into themselves, like really love cracking those cases and have a lot of expertise around it, but also um, are across it at all. Because sometimes when it's something a little bit newer like pyrols, they, they may well not be. And of course you want someone who who can actually help rather than wasting your time, their time and your money. Yeah, I've had people who have come to me as clients from their naturopath and I get the pyrrole stuff sorted out and then send them back to their old naturopath. So there are some naturopaths out there that are even happy to work with me to kind of hand people to me and then I hand them back. So it that I love working with people in, in that regard as well. And look, you, you might be lucky. You might find a GP. You might have a GP who is into this. So mm. if, if yeah. If that's someone that you visit regularly and you think they might be that way inclined, you might be able to start there. But if if you're one of those people who goes to the GP and the GP's not across it or like the GP that I went to first before I sought out an integrative GP, I had been to a regular GP and I said, I have pyrrole disorder. And they said, I don't believe in pyrrole disorder. That's the words he used. Wow. And I just okay. went... So why right. did he give reason for not believing in it? Well, I had so much smoke coming out my ears at that <laughs> stage that I might not have heard the reply. Um, <laughs> but I just went, you're not the GP for me then. I just mm. said, whether you believe it or not is is not the issue. This is real for me. And if you're not going to respect that, then I need to find someone who does. Mm. Because it's, it, it's, it's, it's real for me. It's The supplements are working for me. So... I need to find someone that I can work with who's going to respect that rather than tell me that the issue that I just told you I have doesn't exist. Yeah, and this comes right back to different people having different spheres of knowledge, expertise and beliefs. And if 
you know, if you're going to work with someone on your health, it's got to be someone that really listens to you, hears you, believes you and partners with you on your health moving forward. So a lot of, you know, it's, it's again, it's a bit like intolerances, isn't it, where we are seeing pyroluria more and more. Is it that it was always there or is it the rise in, because a lot of people believe it's a rise in stress uh, and adrenal fatigue that's causing this proliferation of cases coming forward. I, I'm inclined to believe that it's a combination of both. Sometimes, you know, it's like chicken and the egg. The stress comes and then uh, it's like a bit of a, a straw that breaks the camel's back and your levels go up. Um, but can you just talk to me a little bit about what, what you believe and what you've seen in terms of the diagnoses that have come your way? Yeah, well, just to backtrack a little bit, the, the main issue with pyroles is that uh, you end up with potentially a B6 and a zinc deficiency and a deficiency of a couple of other nutrients as well. There's biotin in there, there's there's a couple of things in there, but zinc and B6 are the main ones. So what ends up happening is we have these really low levels of zinc and B6 and that can set off other processes in the body. Um, in particular, your copper may go up from the zinc deficiency and that's where a lot of the problems stem from now. I believe that as as a as a society and as a culture at the moment we are undernourished at a level that we haven't really seen mm. before so potentially what we're eating or not eating is making this situation worse I think that in terms of that whole chicken and the egg thing I think that the tendency towards having pyrrole disorder has always been there I think it's something that we inherit it's so if we inherit it, then it has been around for several generations. Otherwise, it wouldn't be that inherited tendency. I think now with the way that a lot of people eat and the fact that a lot of our diets are devoid of nutrients, that means that we're getting even less zinc and less B6 from our diet than ever mm. before. And that's going to make things a little bit more interesting. So also if we're having more caffeine and more alcohol and more sugar, than past generations and I think with sugar that's that's a, a real standout and I, I do see a lot of caffeine you know going down as well then that is going to also interfere with your levels of these nutrients so I think that it's rearing its ugly head not just because of the stress although we are very busy and our current the last couple of generations of women are busy in a way that we've never been before. Oh, because absolutely. We're doing we're, we're, all the home stuff, all the kids stuff yeah. and working. Mm. We're doing all the things. And a couple of generations ago, that wasn't happening so much. So there are lots of different facets to this problem. I don't think it's just the stress mm. and I don't think it's just the diet. And I don't think it's just that our food may not be as nutritionally dense as it used to be. I think it's a combination of all of those things. It could, there are people now saying that they think that pyroluria is set off by leaky gut. Mm. So it's with, with pyrrole disorder, it's something that chugs along under the radar. It's, it's a inherited tendency that yeah. we have. So we don't necessarily just pop out with it. We, we don't just come out of the womb with it but it's something that's underlying and it tends to rear its ugly head and become a problem when something changes in our lives. Now that could be stress. And I see, I know with myself that 
it ramped up when I went through stressful periods in my life. Mm. I, I see it sometimes ramp up in women if they've had a couple of babies and they're suffering from maybe sleep deprivation or adrenal fatigue. I think there, that there's definitely some... happened to me. I'll never yeah. forget sitting on the couch, eating my lunch while the bub was having a nap and just feeling like I could not even breathe. It was just, yeah, yeah. and it's all retrospectively explainable. But yeah. at that time I was like, what is going on with me? Yeah. Yeah, and if there's a time in your life that you are super busy or super tired or super stressed and you have this underlying tendency, that's when it's going to turn up. Like, you know, really, statistically, that's when it's going to show up. Alcohol and drug use, like I like I said, I had a pretty wild and rockin' 20s. So mm. I think that may have really helped to kick things along a little bit in, in my own world. And I do, that. I have read a lot of evidence to show that there is a correlation between increased alcohol use and, and pyruria kicking off. So leaky gut is another one that has been thrown in there as a potential trigger for, you know, so if you've got the tendency underlying and then you have something going on in your gut to make your gut, you know, less less healthy. So if you've got some gut dysfunction there, potentially this may be something that, that starts to make the pyrrole disorder come to a head. So there are a lot of different factors that scientists and doctors are looking at at the moment and that researchers are looking at the moment. Another one could potentially be environmental factors, exposure to increased toxins. I have seen people who come to me after renovations and I don't know whether that's an increase in the environmental toxins from renovating the house or whether that's the stress of renovating the house or Ah. maybe all of the above. So it's definitely something that that I think has been around for a long time, but at the moment we just have so many triggers potentially mm. that can make it worse. Mm. And so what actually happens? These pyroles, they're cryptopyroles, right, from what I understand. Can you just explain the process? Cryptopyrol is just one of the types of pyroles that uh, you can test for and that's the one that we tend to test for in Australia. So Mm. that's the best marker that we have in terms of pathology testing to decide whether you've got pyrrole disorder or not. These pyrroles that that we're looking at are something that are actually a a normal part of our biochemistry. So we need pyrroles to make up our hemoglobin. So our hemoglobin, our, our red blood cells, these pyrroles actually form the hemoglobin, part of the hemoglobin. So when you are making those red blood cells, you're using the pyrroles. Now, there seems to be a, a bunch of people like you and me, Alex, that have this tendency to overproduce these pyrroles in excess amounts and in a way that becomes damaging for our bodies. So when you and I are stressed, we will produce more of these pyrroles than the average person. And after some of those have gone to making up the hemoglobin, we've got excess amounts running around with nothing to do. Now, in order to be excreted from the body, these excess pyrroles need to be bound to either zinc or B6, or like I said, there's a couple of other nutrients in there as well that they can bind to in order to be safely carried out of the body. But unfortunately, during that process, it also means that that zinc and that B6 that they are bound to also get carried out of the body without being absorbed and that's how you end up with the nutritional deficiencies and then because your zinc and b6 are low 
then what happens if you've got follow-on issues like that? So, for example, if your B6 is low, then you're going to have trouble absorbing your magnesium. So the follow-on effect might be that you also end up with a magnesium deficiency because you didn't have enough B6 because B6 is a cofactor for absorption. Your copper may go up, and copper is a heavy metal, but you need small amounts of copper in your bloodstream in order to have a you know a healthy body so it is in small amounts it works like a nutrient but in large amounts in the body it works like a heavy metal copper and and zinc sit on a seesaw so when your zinc is low your copper goes up so if you're making these excess pyrroles and they bind to the zinc then gradually your copper may go up and so then you will experience symptoms of copper toxicity and that's quite hard for the body to deal with so the more stressed you are or the more busy you are or the, the more there, these external factors uh, switch on that production of pyrroles, the more zinc and the more B6 get carried out of the body. The higher the copper goes, the lower the magnesium goes. So the, one, of the, one of the other main uh, things I advise to people when they've got pyrrole disorder is they need to cut the stress. Mm. They need to look at the environmental factors that are triggering this overproduction of pyrroles and try and head that off at the pass as well. So it's not just about shoving zinc and B6 into a person to try and override the process. Uh, it's also about turning off some of the factors that are uh, making this overproduction in the first place. Yeah. And so when you're diagnosed, you're often recommended a certain levels of the key nutrients that you're as a result deficient in. This is something that you then monitor once a year with your blood tests, right, to see whether that's the right level still, whether some of the lifestyle changes you've made have meant you don't need to take quite as much. Are you on some level of supplements forever? A lot of my clients at the moment, that's where we're at. Mm. But I think that, like I said, I think more digging needs to be done to figure out why we're producing too much of these in the first place and whether we can shut off that process a little bit. Mm. So um, it's a TBC on that front. <laughs> yeah, I, I do yeah. think I, I think it's early days. Mm. I really do. I think that we're right on the edge of something really big here and we know some of the information but we don't have all the information yet and there's new research coming out all the time and as that new research comes out, we can make little adjustments to our treatment protocols to to help improve the outcomes for the patient. Uh, but at the moment, we're, we can only go on the information we have. And most, I have, I actually, I have seen a couple of clients where I have been able to, to scale down the supplements in a really big way. But those clients were borderline to begin with. So they had, they had pyrrole disorder, but it wasn't, they weren't up in that sort of realms of sort of 20, 30, 40 plus. They were, just over 10. They were somewhere yeah. around sort of 12 to 16, I think. So it might depend on the, the degree of the issue in the first place. Right. So, so you, that, could, you could find yourself like at the 12 to 16 mark, whacking in two 20-minute meditations a day <laughs> and just making sure you get some oysters into you on the weekends and, and actually feeling a, a reversal of symptoms from more basic approaches. Is that what you're trying to sort of or, say there? Or you might find that if you're busy or stressed, in a, in a particular period of your life, you might need to go back onto the supplements, but you also uh, might yeah. be able to manage the issue 
if you're doing the meditation and you're not frantic and you're not busy and, and whatnot, every single person's going to be different. And yes. it doesn't just go on your zinc and B6 levels. I also test copper in mm. people and I look at, at ways to get that copper down. So I look at I don't just look at the zinc levels, I look at the what we call free copper as well. So we look at copper, we look at ceruloplasmin, and then we do a little mathematical equation to work out what's called the free copper. And so there, there's some, some extra testing that I send my clients for. And I know you mentioned annual testing, but I, in a lot of my clients, I go more regular than that, especially if they've got issues with their copper. And if they've got issues with, you know, zinc, I might test a few months down the track to see if their zinc's going up to make sure that the supplement we're using is one that's agreeing with them, that's working for them. I might also test B6 levels to make sure that we haven't got too much B6 or not enough B6. So I do, I do monitor some of my clients quite closely and quite regularly. I did have one client that I sent her for testing two months after the last test, just because we wanted to track some stuff to make sure it was working. So everyone's going to be different in what they need. Yeah, great. And so you did mention the word hereditary there really briefly. So if I test positive, which I did, I've got a family member who is terrified of driving on bridges. And for me, one of my main symptom, like the main symptom reversal for me was that I always felt a bit pangy and anxious around flying and around driving, especially on freeways, so fast. And I would never, ever have rented a car in a foreign city um, to my home just because I didn't want to put myself in that position of anxiety, knowing it was a trigger for me. Now, I rented a car in South Australia recently. I had to drive six hours all up in two days doing some workshops around there. And then just this last five days, I've been in Perth driving everywhere. I think I've been in every suburb of Perth. That's how sprawled my friend's family (laughs) and the work I was doing there was. And I had absolutely zero anxiety. And I'll never forget the first freeway drive I did down to Canberra doing a workshop where uh, I had been taking the Pyrols supplements that my practitioner had prescribed to me and it probably was about six weeks in and I was driving at 110 on that big open road down to Canberra and just loving life, loving the <laughs> podcast I was listening to, having a great time, feeling really free, really in control, zero anxiety and I I talked to uh, Katie about it straight afterwards when we had our next appointment. I was like, is this this linked? She's like, it's absolutely linked because of the deficiencies that you had, the symptoms that they produce and the fact that you're now on the road to – to sorting that out and I was just blown away so me now thinking of my family member who for a little while there could actually not even drive over a bridge um, do you reckon you should just kind of because it's quite an inexpensive test I think it's around 80 to 120 Australian dollars so if you're listening and you're in America chances are it's even less expensive than that (laughs) just because of the market size of course and the labs are bigger and therefore there's an economy of scale so like this is quite a useful little test for the whole family to get done. Am I right? Absolutely. If if someone has tested positive in the family, there's definitely a case for looking at everyone in the family to see who might benefit from being tested and who might benefit for finding out about this. So I will add a little disclaimer there that if you find out you've got pyrrole disorder, you might approach some family members 
that because you can see it in them mm-hmm. and they might not be open to getting tested. Yeah. Just so you know, just uh, so yeah. you know, I mm. too have those family members. Mm. So just because you know stuff doesn't mean they want to know stuff is mm. is what I'm saying there. But I do. So find... should you just maybe listen to the podcast together over a cup of tea casually? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, but... I'm a big fan of the third person who is not you <laughs> being the person who makes that person think and come up with the idea themselves. That's the that's the gold star idea. Absolutely, absolutely. But also it, it is a very inexpensive test on the scale of, of pathology testing out mm. there. And it's really, it's it's quite a simple test to do. It is a urine test. So it's not like you even have to have blood drawn. So you can test children without traumatizing them too much as mm. well. I do recommend, I do get a lot of mums who have got this issue and when they test positive, I often ask them if they would like to test their children because I have seen a lot of kids who've got this issue benefit from, you know, the the supplements and whatnot in terms of behavioural issues and learning issues and coping mechanisms as well. So if you think about the way that anxiety manifest for us as as grown-ups and as women and you mentioned the driving and that and you also mentioned the the phobia of bridges and things like that's one form of anxiety but but in kids it can manifest as as a different kind of behavior so I, I do often recommend that if you find out you've got it, please have a look at what's going on with your children. Uh, please just get it done if you even suspect that they might have that tendency because it's it's not a difficult thing to to address with diet and mm. supplements. It is reasonably straightforward in most people. And uh, like I said, even the testing's not that bad. So, yeah, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can stab in the dark at things forever. And, you know, I've seen so many uh, health coaching clients go and see all sorts of therapists where, where when you have a, a deficiency, there's no amount of therapy that you can do to address it if it's actually just a deficiency that's going to keep having those symptoms and behavioural issues uh, continue. I'm, a, I'm also a massive advocate that we, we can change our brain's biochemistry through the thoughts that we think and, and the work that we do in, in our minds and on our inner selves. But Yay, if, if yes. you know, I, the, there's a lot to be said for your mindfulness, meditation, um, you know, talking to someone if, if, you, if you need to go and see a psychologist and all of that stuff can definitely have an amazing impact on mental health and brain function. But if you've got this underlying chemical imbalance I also strongly believe that it's never going to fully resolve until you resolve that thing that's driving it. And if you've got this underlying issue where you've got that B6 deficiency or you might have copper toxicity or something like that, then all the CBT in the world is not going to fix that underlying chemical imbalance. I think there's a really good case for having all of those things working together Mm. I think sometimes if you go and, and see a counsellor or a psychologist and you're seeing a naturopath to get this biochemistry solved, then mm. then you're attacking it on a couple of levels. And, and that's 100%. Pretty, that's and I absolutely, yeah, I wasn't saying, you know, 
don't go see the site. No, you know, do you all need the a, things. Do all the things, <laughs> all, all the things. things. Because sometimes you've had a, a mindset for so long around the very thing that was maybe, you know, triggered by that deficiency that you, I mean, it makes sense that you would then need to just let go of that. And often we need counsellors and psychologists in our lives to help us along that process. And I'm so grateful that my longtime naturopath is actually a counsellor and a naturopath, double qualified. It's it's freaking handy, I tell you what. You just say, yeah, okay, one, can we talk about some, some personal <laughs> issues I'm having that I just need to work on as well? And, and I just don't think that should be a taboo thing that we – we seek outside help to look at uh, issues we're having in our minds that we just can't quite figure out ourselves because often it's going to be that pointed conversation and questioning from an outside source. It's like, you know, you work in your life. You very rarely work on your life and we need people to work on our lives with us because often we can't see outside ourselves. So, yeah, no, 100% on all the things. Just wanted to clear that up. It was just more to say, you know, if we can actually support moving forward with some of the issues we're having mentally uh, by actually addressing a biochemical issue first or during, then it stands to reason and logic that it would certainly help things along much faster. Yeah, and you did mention the phobia stuff before as well. You touched upon that and that that is one of the things I see time and time again as, as popping up in a lot of the articles about pyroluria is that one of the symptoms to look out for is phobias. So go mm. figure. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. You know, amazing. Um, and I'm loving the oysters. So, yeah. Bring <laughs> on the oysters. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. much more fun Pumpkin. than pumpkin seeds, aren't they? <laughs> Way more fun. <laughs> so, look, Jules, I might wrap it up there. Is there anything that you would like to just finish off with to uh, sort of as a call to action, if you like, for anyone tossing up whether this might be the right thing to explore? I think really look inside yourself. If you're resisting getting the testing done, but all of if all of this has rung true for you and if you've heard about this, if this if the whole pyrol thing has popped up into your world a few times and it is starting to sound like it could be you, please just go and get the test. It's really not that big a deal to get tested and really look inside yourself to, to look at what the resistance is to getting tested. If you can help fix this problem mm. in yourself, you're going to feel so much better. If it, if it is pyrols, you're better off knowing than not knowing yeah. because you can get that ball rolling and you don't even know yet what symptoms that you're currently feeling that may be the ones that get better if if this is some you know if, if it is pyrols and we do start supplementation like you said with being able to drive mm. like sometimes you don't even know what the things are that are going to get better and it really surprises you so, I was so surprised yeah. uh, literally bowled over and the, the fact that yeah. I can fly now and it's bumpy and turbulent sometimes and and, you know, I used to break out in full cold sweats when that happened and now I just don't. It's yeah. just, I mean, why would you not want a hundred bucks and a few vitamins and to, yeah. to sort that out if that could well be something that would help? I mean, that's, that's a lifetime's worth of gift right there that I get to experience all the time now. So, 
I'm, yeah. I'm extremely grateful for that diagnosis, as I know you are, Jules. And yeah. it, as I always say, it's never going to be that one thing that's a magic key to eternal health and happiness and, and never being sick or having issues ever again. But it is part of the puzzle for so many people as we're discovering now. So thank you so yeah. much for being on the show, Jules, and your time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And I hope everybody out there enjoyed the show. Please don't forget to check out those show notes because I've got lots of uh, resources for you today specifically around pyrols some great stuff that Jules has written and a few other practitioners who are on top of this themselves Jules can also be contacted on her website and for private consultation via Skype and I've put all of those details in the show notes as well thanks again thank you so much Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.